Excuse me, you're interrupted again by the news, sir, but here it is. Barack Obama, the senator from Illinois, the junior senator from Illinois, has won the Iowa caucuses. It's a time when Iowa voters feel very special. 19 of the 23 candidates in Iowa today. An incredible honor to campaign across Iowa with so many of you. Thank you, Iowa. We love Iowa. Thank you very much. The state of Iowa has spoken. We are headed to Iowa. Political Theater Podcast will be broadcasting from the Iowa State Fair. We're going to try to catch up to as many political candidates as possible. Bridget Bowman, my colleague uh, on the politics desk at Roll Call, will also be there fanning out across the state as well as the state fair. And we're going to discuss uh, what we're going to be following along with our great colleague, Leah Askaranam from Inside Elections. Leah, Bridget, welcome to Political Theater. Thank you. Thanks. This is our primer podcast for our trip to Iowa. We're going to be there uh, almost two weeks when you consider the, the, the photographers who will be there, the videographers, podcasting studio. We're basically starting a mini bureau. <laughs> uh, so, But let's talk a little bit about why, uh, aside from our just deep-seated need to eat food on a stick at the Iowa State Fair <laughs> in blazing hot August weather and possibly to see the Des Moines Cubs play, uh, that's just a personal preference. Uh, why why are we interested in in Iowa? Let's let's take it from the presidential level because certainly people are talking about the presidential race, uh, but then let's go all the way down to the congressional races that make us happy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So obviously every year there's a presidential election. There's a ton of attention on Iowa. The caucus, one of the first primary states uh, for the Democratic presidential primary. This is a really key state. Mm-hmm. All of the candidates are spending a lot of time going all over the place meeting Iowa voters. All 4,000 Democratic presidential candidates. (laughs) Every single one. is in Iowa right now, except for a few here and there, right? Exactly. Uh, But it's also going to be a really interesting state in the general election in 2020. We have a competitive Senate race. Republican Senator Joni Ernst is up for re-election. Three of the four uh, House districts in Iowa are currently held by Democrats. They're all Obama-Trump districts, so districts that President Barack Obama won that then flipped to President uh, Donald Trump carrying. There's also the fourth district, which is Republican Congressman Steve King, uh, who is facing a potentially another competitive re-election race, even though the district's really Republican. So for the general election, it's going to be really interesting, even though the presidential race is kind of sucking up all the oxygen right now. It's going to be certainly a state to watch. Right. And I've just I've got a couple of numbers I just wanted to run through. Um, as you said, this is a this is an Obama Trump state, meaning that uh, the President Obama won the state twice and then and Donald Trump won it. It's always been kind of close. It's always been a competitive place uh, going back, you know, decades. In 2004, George W. Bush uh, got 50 percent of the vote. John Kerry got 49 percent of the vote. In 2008, Obama won at 54, 44 over John McCain in 2012, Obama won at 52-46 over Mitt Romney, now Senator Mitt Romney, and then uh, President Trump won at 51-42 over Hillary Clinton in 2016. Um, Leah, like what you know, the the ratings that you assign at Inside Elections. Uh, as, as Bridget said, have, have just said that, that a lot of these races are competitive. There are, are going to be five congressional races, four House races, one Senate race. They're all competitive to a certain degree. Is that because of the, this presidential stuff or is there more going on like at the at, at that micro level? Yeah, it actually it's competitive 
despite the presidential stuff, it's it's there really isn't a huge relationship mm-hmm. in terms of why it's competitive. There is a huge relationship in terms of how uh, um, the presidential attention and national funding end up affecting the House and Senate races. So obviously, there's going to be a major turnout effort from Democrats and Republicans at the top of the ballot running for president. How will that affect turnout in Iowa's first district, where Abby Finkenauer, a Democrat, is running for her second term? Um, this was going to be a competitive year for Iowa either way. 2018 uh, was a Democratic year overall, uh, on the, particularly at the House level, and it did you know, filter down to Iowa. In, in District 1, Abby Finkenauer, as you, as you mentioned, she's got a competitive race this year. She won her seat 51 to 46 over Rod Blum, defeating an incumbent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in District 2, uh, Dave Loebsack won 55-43 over his uh, Republican uh, uh, opponent, Chris Peters, which is actually the the blowout <laughs> in 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 terms of the uh, the the House races uh, in District Three, Cindy Axney, uh, who we're going to be trying to catch up to uh, Bridget uh, in when when we're there, um, she won her seat forty nine to forty seven percent over David Young, the Republican incumbent, and then uh, Steve King only squeaked out a win win by three points, uh, fifty to forty seven over J D. Scholten, who is running again. We just found out over the weekend. That's right. Yeah, he was looking at running for Senate against Senator Ernst, but ultimately opted to run against uh, Congressman King again. It should be noted that Congressman King is also facing a couple primary challengers. So as a result of the congressman's uh, controversial statements, kind of touting white nationalism, uh, the House Republicans stripped him of his committee assignments. So then Republicans kind of jumped in to take him on in a primary. Um, But should King get through the primary, which could happen, that could be a pretty competitive race if Shulton is up again. Um, He kind of came on, that race came on very late in the cycle. Uh, J.D. Shulton kind of traveled around the district in this Winnebago that he had wrapped with his campaign logo um, and is really trying to tap into the Iowa connection. He's a former pro baseball player. And in his announcement video today, he had Kevin Costner of Field of Dreams fame, which Mm is um, the Field of Dreams in Iowa. He had Costner narrate that video. It is here. Our virtues, passed down through the seasons, sowed in the earth from long ago, grown and nurtured and tended to. It is here, rooted within us, within him. So that'll definitely be an interesting, interesting race to watch. And on the, let's uh, go back to the Senate race real quick. Uh, uh, Leah, you have uh, at Inside Elections, you've got it as a likely Republican at this point. Joni Ernst would seem to be uh, your, you know, your, as as vulnerable or as targeted as you get, right? I mean, she won, um, you know, with with she got fifty two percent of the vote against Bruce Braley, the, a Democratic congressman, in twenty fourteen. So um, not a, not an overwhelming victory. She's tried to distance herself from the president a little bit. She hasn't, you know, like it's unclear if she's been able to reach new voters. So what's her Democratic opposition like? Uh, Bridget just said that J.D. Scholten, who was considering the race, decided to for a rematch against Steve King uh, in the fourth district. Who is who does Joni Ernst need? To, to fear possibly in a, in a potentially competitive race here. Well, I mean, the reason why 
there are multiple reasons why I'm sure J.D. Scholten decided to run for the 4th District rather than the Senate, but I think Teresa Greenfield made his decision a lot easier when she decided that she was going to run for Senate. And this is the Democrat running? The, a Democrat right. running for Senate. Right. Uh ran uh, in the third congressional district primary, but ended up having to drop out um, because of uh, invalid signatures, which uh, it looks like was the fault of a, a staffer further down. Um, blame so the staff. It's always a good plan. It's always, always a good the plan. staff. Right, right. Uh, People love it when you blame the staff. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, Iowa Democrats, D.C. Democrats started consolidating around Greenfield relatively early. Um, at this point, if J.D. Schulten were to get in, it would be kind of a, an anti-establishment move. Okay. So running in the 4th Congressional District's, District made a lot more, a lot more sense. Um, Teresa Greenfield, it's still to be determined how she does in a statewide race in Iowa. What we do have in terms of statewide results is in 2018, there was one statewide race, the gubernatorial race. Um, obviously, gubernatorial races and Senate races are different, different issues, and voters do differentiate between the two. Um, but we saw that the Republican, Kim Reynolds, won that district, I mean, won that race. So, and she hadn't won before. I mean, she was the lieutenant governor, but she became governor when Terry Branstad became the envoy, President Trump's envoy to China. So she was untested and, and won in 2018. Exactly. In, a, in a Democratic year, I might add. Yep. And even as uh, two districts flipped for Democrats in Iowa and another one uh, got closer than it than it should have gotten. And and Bridget, you've uh, you know been covering the race too. You know the 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 Democrats they they would need this like seat in order to flip them and have any chance at the majority in 2020, correct? Yeah, uh, this could be one of those seats were it to flip that could change the majority. Um, if they're winning Iowa, it's looking pretty good probably for Democrats in some other states too that could be helpful for that. Um, I should say on the Senate race, Republicans that I've talked to are very confident that Senator Ernst is going to be a strong uh, a strong incumbent, that she's going to be tough to unseat. I was talking recently to the state Republican Party chairman in Iowa, Jeff Kaufman, who said that even kind of made the argument that Senator Ernst could kind of make up for some of the losses in the suburbs that could result from President Trump not being super popular there, that she could maybe energize some voters to turn out and support Republicans herself and further down the ballot, too. Which she, is an interesting oh, kind of dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it, it is because I, I, you know, when we were looking at the districts for this podcast, you know, like the each district has at least one fairly sizable city. Um, you know, Des Moines and Council Bluffs in the third district, and and the even you know Steve King's district, which is the most rural and the least populated, has Sioux City and Ames, where the, where Iowa State University is, and so getting those you know, voters to go her way. It's It would seem that like where we're heading to the Iowa State Fair, I mean, this is her chance to sort of reach out to a lot of those folks. I mean, she got a lot of press when she was running in 2014. You know, she had the line about, you know, she knows how to castrate pigs and that mm-hmm. that, would make, that makes her a good person to go to Washington. Uh, I mean, the agricultural like sort of uh, folklore around Iowa, I mean, a good politician can tap into that. I mean, she's going to be at the fair, I take it, right, at some point? Yeah, I think most politicians are going to be at the fair. It's kind of where people from across the state come. uh, And a lot of political attention is going to be on that fair, too. 
So uh, let's talk. I mean, we uh, we we mentioned Finkenauer's name twice now, but let's let's go down the 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 sort of the roster of the of the the four districts. Uh, Finkenauer again. She won fifty one forty six. She knocked off an incumbent. Uh, it seems like there are a lot of Republicans lining up to take her on in twenty twenty. Is that right, Leah? Uh, it seems like Republicans have largely consolidated around Ashley Hinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's a former mm-hmm. uh, TV news anchor, local, I think was on the morning news for mm-hmm. like a decade. In the so. Quad Cities area, right? Is that what we're looking at? Like uh, Cedar or Rapids. Yeah. Or Cedar Rapids, yeah, which is the largest city in, in Iowa. So. Yeah. So she um, is supposed to kind of have similar appeal to Ernst in Maybe having some kind of Iowa connections that are separate from Trump, separate from the national environment, um, known in her own right as a journalist and not as a partisan politician. Um, And so I think that's going to be the type of race that Republicans really need to win in order to win the majority, because that was a Trump district. Um, Finkenauer uh, was facing a, a flawed incumbent in Rod Blum. And if Trump is on the ballot to turn out his voters, this is the kind of district that should start to flip. Um, at this point, though, it still seems like Finkenauer has the upper hand. Okay. And uh, I should mention, too, that in, in 2016, Donald Trump won 48 percent of the vote to Hillary Clinton's 45 percent. So, mm-hmm. again, very close, you know, under under 50 percent. And so it's it's one of those, you know, where is it going to go? Right. And Obama won by, I think, pretty significant margins in 2012 and 2008. It wasn't like it's been teetering between Democrats and Republicans on the presidential ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then 2018 happens and a Democrat manages to win. So what's the direction of Iowa's first district? Is it what the 2016 numbers say or is it what the 2018 numbers say? All right. In the second district, in Iowa's second district, which is currently represented by Democrat Dave Loebsack, uh, Loebsack decided to retire. That made the 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 race competitive right off the bat because Loebsack had, you know, he was an incumbent who had a lot of goodwill. He was mm-hmm. a professor. He was sort of an oddball, you know, like member because he, he uh, knocked off Jim Leach in 2006 and kind of coming out of nowhere and just established himself as very connected. But now it's an open seat. So who's running in that, Bridget? That's right. So the candidates to watch on each side, uh, former, actually former Illinois Congressman Bobby Schilling is running in this seat. Uh, that's kind of a of strange, uh, <laughs> you don't see that a lot where a congressman from another state decides to run Jumps in the river. a different state. <laughs> right. But uh, the the media markets kind of overlap between his old district in Illinois and this Iowa district. So his he could have good name recognition mm-hmm. in this area, and he has moved to Iowa. Um, and this is Iowa City, Davenport. Yep. You know, this is in the southeast corner of of Iowa. So yeah, there are a lot of. Uh, overlapping markets uh, in in that Illinois, you know, area. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And Democrats uh, appear to have kind of consolidated around Rita Hart, who ran for lieutenant governor in 2018. Um, She is a farmer. She, I think, is a kind of candidate that Democrats think can win in Iowa, kind of has that connection to the agricultural community. Um, Congressman Loebsack has endorsed her, so it seems like she would be the candidate to watch on the Democratic side. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Loebsack, uh, you know, 
won this for Iowa running running away in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he won 55-43 over Republican Chris Peters. Uh, in the uh, presidential race in 2016, Donald Trump won it 49 to Hillary Clinton's 44. So again, it's, we're seeing a trend of, of these very close races at the presidential level, mm-hmm. um, even though it was, it, you know, it wasn't close at the presidential level um, overall in the state. Uh, all right, District Three. We have a, <laughs> we have a potential rematch. This is a yep. Des Moines Council Bluffs uh, centered seat uh, from the central part of the state all the way to the Nebraska state line in the west. We have Cindy Axney who uh, defeated David Young. And what's going on with this race? So Young is back. He's running again. <laughs> right. Um, which is did he ever go away? Really? I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he was a congressional for, aide for yeah. Forever for Young is going yeah. to be the name of this forever oh, caster. Oh man, eighties music going there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Trademark, trademark that right now. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So Congressman Young is is running again against Cindy Axney. Uh, this is, I think, Republicans look at this district as maybe their best opportunity, uh, given that Axney won with a little under fifty. 50% of the mm-hmm. vote. She only won one county in the district, Polk County, which is the, which the is county Moy, with the most right. voters. Yeah. It's where the state. people are, yes. Right. <laughs> uh, so I think Republicans are looking at if, if, like Leah said, that's kind of the theory of the case in all these districts. If the president can drive out his voters again in 2020 in these districts that he won in 2016, then that can put Republicans over the top in these races that were pretty close in 2018. And I'll, I'll mention again, it, it's almost like a carbon copy at the presidential level, uh, Trump 48, Clinton 45 mm-hmm. in, in 2016. All right. Uh, last but certainly not least, District 4, uh, the, the Steve King, J.D. Scholten potential rematch. Uh, again, King won at 50-47. And this is the one of the more isolated parts of the state, too. Right? right. I mean, there isn't a dominant media market. It's a little bit of council bluffs, but it's like it's Waterloo. or No, I'm sorry, not Waterloo. Uh, Ames and, and Sioux City. It's not... A, it's not the biggest, it's not the most concentrated, like, area, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how much Schulten might try to weave in some of King's controversial comments into the race. It seemed like last cycle, a lot of his message was that King doesn't represent us in Washington, like, he doesn't care. And especially with King not on any committees, like, that might be, that might kind of further his case for that. It'll be interesting to see how King tries to navigate those criticisms. But again, still a really Republican district. So if King loses the primary, it's going to be even tougher probably for Democrats to to win this seat. And and Leah, you have at Inside Elections, you have this as likely Republican at this point. Uh, are there discussions of potential? I mean, you're just going to wait for the primary to make another judgment or, so, or King n- to say something incendiary? Or? It's, <laughs> <laughs> as Bridget said, it's a very Republican district. Uh we should wait for the Republican primary to see how this all plays out. Um, Steve King likely does need to be the nominee in order for Democrats to have a chance there. Um, and part of the reason that's so that's so tricky is there's going to be, it looks like a pretty crowded Republican primary, and we're not quite sure what the coalitions are yet and what will end up happening. But it's interesting because normally when you have an open seat or an incumbent loses, like, in the second district where you have an open seat, that makes the seat more competitive. Whereas I think Republicans might actually like Stephen King to lose that primary so that they can hold on to that seat in the general election. Right. This was the most lopsided at the presidential level in 2016. Trump won it 60 to 33 over over Hillary Clinton. Um, so 
again, we're we're going to the state fair. Uh, let, what are what are some of the things that you're you, that you may be looking to do, uh, Bridget, when we're when we're there that don't have anything to do with politics? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's it's going to be tough because you're you're going to get there uh, towards the end of this week, uh, mm-hmm. and and we've got the the political soapbox uh, where all the presidential. Uh, candidates will be Biden yes. will be there. I mean, like I think by the end of Saturday they'll have almost twenty or some some odd presidential candidates at the political soapbox for yep. the for the, the the Des Moines Register sponsors. What are you looking for? Uh, and also, what foods might you want to eat when you're there? Because <laughs> there are like eighty four foods on a stick apparently according That's to the true. Iowa State Fairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm really. I'm really looking forward to I think the best part of going out on campaign trips is actually being able to talk to voters and see what they're thinking about, uh, what issues are going to drive who they vote for. So that's going to be kind of what I'm looking forward to most on the political scale. Mm-hmm. On the non-political scale, I've never been to the Iowa State Fair. So I'm kind of interested in the scene. As I've been talking to folks in Iowa, everyone keeps telling me to just like stay hydrated because <laughs> it gets really hot. It gets hot and there's not a lot of shade. Yeah. Yep. And a friend of mine who's from Iowa was texting me over the weekend with suggestions of food to eat. So some of her suggestions were the corn dog, hot beef sundae, pork chop on a stick, uh, lemonade and ice cream, and apparently there's like a bucket of chocolate chip cookies in one of the buildings. So I might have to check that out because that sounds like more of my more of my speed. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, we're leaving you behind. We're not going to Iowa with you. But what would you like us to do? What can we send back? Some deep fried Twinkies or something? So I definitely well. I don't want my Twinkies fried. I just want them just raw, want Twinkies. All right. natural, just raw natural Twinkies. Natural petroleum products. Um, <laughs> but I am interested in the political side. I am interested to see how much um, tariffs and trade are on voters' minds. That's supposed to be one of the issues that mm-hmm. may have uh, evolved for voters in the last year since the midterms, not even. And it That's right. Nice we do, we do have a tariff, a, a trade war with China. China is, typically picks up a lot of our agricultural products like pork and like soybeans, w- of which Iowa produces a lot. And so that is one thing that we've talked about, like asking people like, is this, I mean, is this factoring right. into your decision? Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to, yeah. to know. I mean, while asking, make sure you're snacking on a beef sundae <laughs> right. or whatever that yeah. was. I'm <laughs> a little wary of that one. Okay. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> There, I mean, the, the, the breakfast sausage and a waffle on a stick is, I mean, I could do, and uh, although I don't really want to eat this, I want to see what it looks like, the caprese <laughs> salad on a stick. I mean, huh. that must be, just be for Cory Booker and Tul- Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> like, you know, the big Melted vegetarians. cheese. I'm sure it's delicious. That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much, Leah and Bridget, for walking us through this. Uh, we've got uh, – it, it's hard to sort of focus because there's so much going on in Iowa. Mm-hmm. So thank you for helping, you know, sort of uh, sort of set the stage for, for us uh, and, our, and our travels there. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Our state fair is a great state fair. Don't miss it. Don't even delay. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you for joining us, and please join us in Iowa as we broadcast from there. And the way that you can do that is you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to get your podcast on your favorite podcast app. And please take a moment to rate us, even as we're stuffing our faces with food on a stick. Thanks for listening. <laughs>